0: Hi there and welcome to uh this first of 5 special explaining history podcasts to celebrate the fact that yesterday we hit the 100,000 mark. So we now have over 100,000 subscribers on the Explaining History podcast and this week we're going to be doing a uh, a giveaway, um, our first ever, which is terribly exciting, Um, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different stuff that's going to be useful hopefully for students and people who are just excited about history uh, and the people that have really supported the podcast over the last few years. And while we're on that subject, I think there there are a few people I really need to say thank you to um, dotted around the world who've um come up with some great sources of support and inspiration. So in no particular order of importance and um no particular order of, of preference, I'd just like to say a huge thank you to Michael O'Sullivan in Dublin, um to Mehdi Arafa in Paris. Um, to uh, my, my good friend and benefactor Bill Gooden, uh, to Lucy Benson for your uh, endless support, to uh, Meredith Jensen in California for your recent kind words, and um, to Dr. Uh, Alex K, who's written some brilliant stuff and has... Uh, contributed to the Explaining History website in the past, and to all the good guys at IB Taurus, who have uh, been a, a great publisher to work with. sent through some really interesting books, and there's never the expectation that uh, we're going to have to descend into the the grubbiness of the hard sell. So uh, if I've missed anyone out, it's um, please don't hold it against me. I have a terrible memory, but I just want to say thank you to everybody supporting the podcast till it's reached uh, the monster that it is and let it continue to grow so today i'm going to talk about a very interesting um set of processes uh, that existed um uh, in the the 1920s and 30s really from the birth of the state of poland at the end of the first world war through to its destruction in 1939 and these were um related to the uh, relationship between Poles, Jews, Polish nationalism and uh, Jewish Zionism and how they had in many ways a strangely complementary relationship and there was a degree of cooperation, of collaboration uh, and um, admiration on both sides. Yet, after 1935, this existed in a climate where the government of Poland was becoming progressively more anti-Semitic. The extent to which the Polish government um, and Polish society was becoming anti-Semitic was really um, nothing compared to what was happening in Germany. Um, And yet, the logic of um, race relations in Europe in the 19th and 20th centuries um, would tend to suggest, and it is um, totally overturned in this case, would tend to suggest that if Pol- anti-Semitism had grown with um, force in, in any way, it should in theory have been in somewhere like Poland uh, more so than Germany. Um, Poland having... Between two and a half and three million uh, Jewish inhabitants, whereas Germany having only a a couple of hundred thousand. Uh, And the fact that there is a far more um, complex relationship, I mean, there is um, anti Semitism, uh, both a a grassroots and a state led anti Semitism in Poland. but there are also um, far more defenders of the, uh, the Jews in Poland uh, than are able to manifest themselves in Germany. Um, so let's make a start. Let's talk about Joseph Pilsudski to begin with. Well, in fact, before we look at Pilsudski, we need to look at Jan Paderewski, um, the father of uh, Polish independence, uh, the uh, talented concert pianist and composer, diplomat and a politician who represented Poland at the Paris Peace Conference and who had spent... The year or so beforehand in America, uh, speaking with uh, American Polish Jews and trying to bring the many millions of Jews who were within the current Russian Empire, um, that uh, the the parts of the Russian Empire that would comprise now a new Poland, uh, into. a new Jewish state. Uh, Paderewski was no anti-Semite. He was uh, a guy who uh, understood that the Jews would have an important part to play in the state of of Poland uh, and that Polishness was not necessarily um, an exclusively ethnic uh, concept. Um, But the opponent to this would, of course, be Roman Domowski Who was the head of the uh, Polish National Committee and was uh, a strong anti Semite and rival for Paderewski's uh, position? The final nation making moment for Poland came on the 27th of December 1918 in Poznań, where Paderewski um, encouraged uh, Pilsudski to uh, lead a national uprising to uh, free. Poland from the uh, remnants of German control. Um, Tsarist control in the east and German control in the west had both collapsed and the opportunity now presented itself, as the war had ended, um, to create a uh, Polish nation-state that would hopefully be ratified at the Paris Peace Conference. Domovsky was uh, sidelined in in this moment by Pulsiewski Who um, was no anti-Semite at all? Uh, Pilsudski looked upon anti-Semitic politics with the same kind of bemusement um, uh, and kind of mystification that he looked on um, Soviet looked on at uh, Bolshevik politics. Pilsudski had um, had existed within and grown up and lived within the confines of the Russian Empire all his life. He had been. A, uh, a liberal nationalist revolutionary and had, uh, as part of the revolutionary underground, the wider revolutionary underground within the Russian Empire, had rubbed shoulders with all manner of um, different revolutionary parties, including the social revolutionaries and, of course, the Bolsheviks. So he, um, he knew um, what Lenin was talking about. He knew um, precisely what Lenin intended to do. And he knew that um, Bolshevism represented a serious threat to the integrity of the new Polish state. The Polish state that Pilsudski had his eyes on was one which incorporated at least parts of uh, Ukraine uh, and perhaps might even be a federation between Poland and Ukraine. Uh, this was a uh, clear threat to um the new Bolshevik state. So you have these um, essentially mutually antagonistic forces, a liberal nationalist Poland. That, let's face it, the, uh, the liberal aspect of that um, doesn't really manifest itself too deeply with Pulsatsky before we get too romantic about him. And a uh, new Soviet state across the border both um, look upon the Ukraine as being uh, their future. And finally, you have the pariah state of Germany from 1919 onwards, who has been um, penalised and punished in order that Poland might um, be allowed to live. Or, well, this is at least the way that German nationalists tend to see it. So, in essence, the fourth nation that exists within this uh, milieu is the uh, nation. Of the Jews of Poland. And as the new um, state of Poland emerged, developed, the relationship between the Poles and the Jews would uh, develop and transition as well. And a strange romance develops between the uh, most ardent uh, Polish nationalists on the right and the um, extreme right wing end of the Jewish Zionist movement, namely the revisionists, of whom uh, Vladimir Yavotinsky and Menachem Begin are the most uh, pivotal characters throughout this time period. Now, you may well have heard my previous podcast on Menachem Begin, and it's got... um, a lot of stuff that pertains to this in it. So you might find that useful as well. So you can check it out. I probably did it a year... It seems like a year ago. It could be a whole bunch longer. Bilsunski had been popular with the Jews. He had had a very good relationship with them. And there were... Um, a, a large, there was a large section of Jewish population that believed that Jewish people had a future in Poland. There were um, Zionists who argued that actually the jews had found their zion anyway that it was alongside the poles and that together the poles and jews would build the new poland uh, together um and that the ideas of finding a, a home in palestine or somewhere else within the british empire that wasn't necessary but after pilsudski dies in 1935 the um new um government that comes to power uh, the new national unity government um, announced that it was going to um, insist on mass Jewish emigration from Poland. Now, before we start to make simplistic comparisons with between Poland and Nazi Germany in the 1930s um, and say, ah, well, you know, they're all as bad as each other, Whilst forcing the Jews to leave Poland is indeed, you know, eth- a kind of ethnic cleansing, and um, it certainly was nothing. It was not motivated by the same ideas that Hitler had uh, in mind. Um, it was motivated much, by different notions and gone about in a very different way. Hitler. I mean, if you read um, Black Earth by Timothy Snyder, it's a very, very good guide to to some of these ideas. Um, in it, he uh, suggests that um, Hitler was essentially genocidal from the uh, from the outset, from his earliest writings and thinkings, uh, and that really um, the Holocaust is the meeting of ideas and circumstances. And um, the uh, and that Hitler believed that you know all was biological, only race and biology um, justify and dominate the world, nothing else. As the Poles don't think that the Poles, um, uh, the the Polish anti-Semites who wanted the Jews to leave, um, argued that a that Poland can't be a nation state with a foreign people in it; that you need to have. Um, one uh, one people in one place, and that also Poland's poverty could be alleviated by sending the Jews away, by reducing the growing population size and the pressure for land and all these things. Now, it's not to justify or to excuse Polish anti-Semitism over Nazi anti-Semitism, far from it. It's simply to distinguish between the two. Now, fortunately... For the national unity government, um, the Poles had a... The the, the national unity government had an ally in the revisionists. The revisionists agreed that the uh, Jews of Poland didn't belong there, that they belonged somewhere else. And the other place, place they agreed they belonged was Palestine. The Polish government had initially conducted a feasibility study into the uh, question of deporting uh, Jews to Madagascar. The French essentially objected to this, and they believed that um, Madagascar... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. that would become dominated either by Jews or Poles, neither of which in the eyes of the French. It was a particularly an attractive thing. When Leon Blum, the uh, Jewish uh, prime minister of the national government, uh, came to power, um, the Poles were encouraged and they thought that there might be some kind of arrangement um, that could be made with a, a Jewish leader, but they had no such luck. Um, initially, the Nazis were interested in the idea of shipping all of Europe's Jews to Palestine. Uh, Adolf Eichmann himself goes there in 1937 and realizes it's a dead letter, that the British simply won't allow it. But there are significant forces within the Nazi uh, party that say, whoa, well, whoa, well, well, we do not want a Jewish state emerging in the Middle East. Given the way we currently treat the Jews and probably how we will be treating them in the future, this kind of revanchist uh, state where uh, the German people's deepest uh, existential threat uh, lies—that uh, can you know, spend a good amount of time arming and equipping itself. This would be uh, this, this this would be a terrible idea. So it's the um, uprisings again by the Arab population within the Mandate of Palestine uh, against the British that spell doom for any further plans to um, populate, uh, to allow mass uh, Jewish immigration into Palestine. And the pressure of uh, Nazism on the, the the world Zionist movement makes itself uh, apparent in 1935. When that movement splits, there are uh, Zionists um, who advocate a gradual introduction of Jews into Palestine and... Uh, an attempt, firstly, to try to build neighborly relations with the Arabs before any further Jews come. Uh, but Jabotinsky, uh, in 1935, says, "Simple mass immigration now. This is the only thing that will uh, that will save us. And um, when we get there, what we do with the Arabs really is force them from their land um, and create this militant state of Israel." Um, he believed that a, uh, an Israel that spanned both sides of the River Jordan and perhaps that stretched down into the Sinai uh, and had an outlet onto the, onto the Red Sea was the only viable state that could be uh, created. So a a, a very big uh, state of Israel. Yabotinsky um, hoped that the Poles would gain the mandate uh, of Palestine from Britain um it, a lot of this is kind of pipe dream stuff but the the british by the mid 1930s are quite fed up with palestine it doesn't it's not worth really anything um and it causes an immense amount of uh, trouble um it'd been gifted um to uh to britain or britain had wangled it at the um paris peace conference and now held it as a mandate um but um there was every reason to imagine that the british might possibly want to um uh, dispose of it um, the Poles and their Zionist Jewish um, collaborators were both um, versed in the art of creating nation states from within the confines of empires, ultimately this is how Poland had been born reborn in uh, 1918 um, and they knew um, the rule of uh germanic uh, austrian or or russian empires very well so they assumed that the british empire would work in, in a similar way and you could find ways of um sort of exacting extracting concessions from it um, the strength of revisionism um was based mainly however in Poland itself, not in, in Palestine. There were obviously uh, revisionist Zionists in Palestine at the time, but revisionist, um, the kind of the legions really of a revisionist Zionism are in Poland in the guise of the Bita youth movement. Uh, the Bita youth movement was predominantly right wing um, revisionist Zionist. Um, they were well trained by the Polish army. And um, were in, in effectively a kind of a, uh, a fighting force. Um, how effectively, you know, they ultimately fought is uh, shown uh, in the various disturbances and uh, guerrilla warfare between the, the British and Jews in um, Palestine after the Second World War. And one of the things that Timothy Snyder points out is Batall were quite handy for the Polish government. ...because they were extremely anti-communist... ...and um, the Polish government uh, in the mid-1930s... Uh, ...with a, a dangerous Soviet neighbour to the east... ...had no truck with the communist parties uh, at all... ...so these guys were um, very useful... ...and the the Bitar and Polish nationalist organisations... Uh, ...would share uh, parade with each other's flags... Uh, ...Bitar uh, often sang Polish patriotic songs... And there, there is this curious paradox of this a Zionist organisation, an organisation that wants to establish a, a home in Palestine, feeling proud and patriotically, if not Polish, then at least deeply affiliated to the Polish nation, seeing them as comrades-in-arms and brethren. And um, the Polish Secret Service and the Polish army Gave Bitar um, and the Revisionists an awful lot of help in uh, establishing um, uh, a, a, a military underground um, in the uh, in Palestine, which sees the development eventually of the the organization Irgun, um, the uh, terrorist group that becomes chiefly associated with Menachem Begin. And Begin, um, believes, um, and he was disputed really by, uh, Jabotinsky here, but Begin believed, um, that a secret hidden conspiratorial armed underground would be the, the way to, uh, found, uh, a Jewish state, um, from the, uh, in Palestine, uh, against the British, um, Begin had learned much of what he knew uh, within Poland and, and the Russian Empire uh, from the terrorist underground of the Russian revolutionary movement. So um, it, I always find it fascinating when you see the journey of these ideas and principles and concepts um, throughout the century. Um, and the, uh, uh, what what Begin was bringing to Palestine was essentially... A Russian Revolutionary Terrorism. Ergon was connected to the Polish government. Uh, Witold um the Polish consul in Jerusalem, passed uh, instructions back and forth from Poland to Ergon, and um, the way that it was viewed as in the, uh, the high, highest echelons of the Polish government was that um, the Polish state had aspirations very, very similar, almost identical to those of the Zionists. And therefore, it was important to see how the two could work together. The Poles, as we've already mentioned, um, after 1935, the Polish government was keen to see how Pol- uh, Polish Jews could be removed en masse from Poland and Palestine seemed to be uh, the place to do it and therefore using Irgun as the leverage to uh, bring about some kind of confrontation with the British where hopefully the British would either abandon the mandate and then the flood doors would open or the British would decide to relent and allow mass Jewish immigration because it was the path of, of least resistance. Um this was this was the uh, the strategy. I mean neither side of course know that within three years time Hitler will decisively intervene in Poland um and the uh, the, the Poles problems um viz. um uh, the uh the size of their population will be dealt with in a whole horrific new manner. Because I suppose one way that you could interpret all this, if you're going to look at this from, the, um, from, from economic history, an economic history standpoint, the um, decision to uh, go for whole-scale deportations of Jews from Poland in 1935, um, even if it has the cooperation of the most extreme um, elements of Zionism anyway, is in some ways... Explicable by the Great Depression, you know, you see this worldwide collapse in agricultural food prices uh, and poverty uh, coming particularly to the countryside over much of Europe and America. Um, And the uh, desire, therefore, to lower the population, to get rid of surplus population, you know, and and therefore unemployment. Uh, And the surplus population you start with is your Jewish population. Now it goes without saying that of course not all polls signed up to this um, uh, policy and it was fiercely contested within parliament and fiercely contested particularly by the parties of the left, the socialist and communist parties, who were outraged and appalled uh, that it was even being considered that the uh, polls should be shipped overseas. But this... um, Outrage didn't stop uh, a gradual increase in anti Semitic policies in the second half of the 1930s, such as um, banning kosher slaughter and a decision by universities, social clubs, and other institutions to uh, discriminate uh, against Jewish members um, and to uh, present Jews as the uh, causes of communism. Uh, atheism, and all the other sins of modernity uh, itself. Uh, So uh, a lot of this was designed to kind of um, uh, encourage the Jews um, to consider um, emigration to uh, Palestine. Um, But by 1939, um, there was still a, a large Jewish minority in Poland. And an indication that the Zionists, uh, the revisionists particularly, were not as popular throughout the uh, population, uh, the Jewish population in Poland, as one might think, was the fact that the Bund Party, the original Jewish Socialist Party, the oldest Jewish um, Socialist Party, um, who were committed to staying in Poland and building a socialist society along with the Poles in Poland, did remarkably well in the 1938 uh, elections. So the danger for historians is this, um, is that we know what happens next and we know it's terrible. We know that in September 1939 that the Germans invade and inflict unimaginable cruelties on both Poles and Jews alike. Um, and so we know that the, the world in which uh, uh, we, we're talking of um, Polish nationalists and uh, of um, Zionists uh, that this was a a kind of uh, one with a a limited time period but we have to remember that they didn't know that This might seem obvious and rather trite to say but it's very important not to get into this kind of teleological mindset where we start to think about ideas of inevitability, or looking at the end point and trying to work backwards, because you know that's bad history. It doesn't work for or help anybody. Okay, so I'm going to finish there. Um, and just uh, suffice to say, um, we're still running a um, crowd sourcing, crowdfunding uh, campaign to make sure that we can continue to. Uh, cover the hosting for explaining history so if you can make any donations at all um and then i'll be hugely grateful and the link is uh, as ever uh comes with this podcast anyway enjoy thanks very much and thanks for all your support all the best bye